some of us claim to have spiritual experiences with God. Times when we meet God almost face to face. or We have, if we're going to use Wesleyan terminology, these moments when our heart is strangely warmed right, by God's presence. And, believe it or not, some people say they have those kinds of moments in, in a Sunday morning worship service. times when we, we can come and we can hear and we can listen. And then sometimes, though, we realize uh, maybe we can go on a spiritual retreat to have one of these kinds of moments. Maybe, for example, a walk to Emmaus or some other type of designated time that we set apart to have these moments. And what we realize, either about a Sunday morning worship service or some spiritual retreat, is that there is an agenda, if you will, Right? Pretty much every Sunday morning, I'm going to ask you to look at your bulletin, which will guide us through our time of worship, right? It's not, we're not just checking off things we're doing. We're actually going through something that if we're paying attention is sort of guiding our time, moving us towards something important, right? Believe it or not, we've thought about what songs we're going to sing beforehand. I've even thought about what I might say right now. And there's, there's somebody here and there's something here to guide us through that time, right? And even a spiritual retreat. You don't just go. You usually go and there's an agenda that you follow. And there's times for this and times for that. And those times and those resources and those people are there to help us experience God in different ways. And certainly we're able to do that. Now what tends to happen for many people is we think, those are the only times when we can experience God or have those kinds of strangely warm moments in our hearts. But we quickly realize that that is not entirely true. We feel like things have to be lined up. We make sure if we don't do our call, choral call to worship, God's not going to show up today. Well, or, or even, you know, the preacher doesn't preach one Sunday. That means that was just a wasted Sunday, Right? I'm hoping you were going to disagree with me, but that's, but that's okay, because I need a job, y'all. Uh, okay, good. But believe it or not, you could come to church and not hear a sermon and still be blessed by God. We don't have to have things lined up for us. We don't have to have things set up for us. You don't have to have someone necessarily guiding you. Think about Paul, the Apostle Paul, walking the road to Damascus on his way to show those rowdy Christians whose boss God showed up on that road did God not and I don't know if how Paul would have exactly explained it to us but uh, God showed up in a powerful way nobody else's help or think about the story of Moses Moses out minding his business one day doing what shepherd Shepherds do, and he looks, and he sees a, a bush on fire. And he, I didn't do it. <laughs> and he goes, and in that burning bush that is not consumed, he meets God there. Or think about a, a, a small group of people from a small church in the city, and they go to some nursing home. And the preacher's there talking with some of the residents there, and one of the residents approaches him and says, 
I want you to pray. Now, as the preacher looks at this, this resident, it's very obvious they have their own medical conditions that they are dealing with. But the prayer is not for that person. The prayer is for their family who are struggling with something else. Their brother and their daughter who is, who is just dealing with some very hard things. And you realize that in that moment, I've just witnessed God. Somebody more concerned about someone else than they were about themselves. And then we think about the story that we commonly call Jacob's Ladder, right? You remember Jacob, don't you? The one that we talked about last week? Jacob has this experience in this episode, and God shows up. And there is no preacher preaching. There is no choir singing. There's no usher there to hand him a bulletin. But God shows up nonetheless. And what's really interesting, and you realize if you read the whole story, which we didn't, but let me fill you in. Jacob is running for his life. You remember Jacob the tripper, right, or the grabber. Ever since they came out of the womb, he and his brother, they've been back at each other, back and forth, right? He trips him coming out of the womb. He trips him out of his birthright, his older brother. And even later, he tricks his father into blessing him instead of his brother. And now he finds out, my brother really wants to kill me. And he runs for his life. That's what he's doing. He's fleeing from Harry. You remember Harry, right? Harry's after him, and he's on the run. And friends, it's when we, times like this that we realize that God can show up anywhere at any time. Jacob stops for the day. It's getting, for the night, excuse me, it's getting dark. You can't go on any further. He goes, and goes to sleep, puts his head on a rock, and he has this dream, dream of Jacob's ladder. Now, that word ladder, it seems to be a good translation, only problem is it makes us think about a different kind of ladder, right? Maybe we're going to paint the house or something. And that's not exactly what we're talking about. Although you should go home and Google funny ladder pictures and see how people are willing to use ladders and what they're brave enough to do. But when we're thinking about Jacob's ladder, it's best to think about maybe a staircase. And you've seen pictures maybe of these ancient temples, right? And you see these stairs that just elevate. Maybe that's what we're looking at, and we're, we're hearing about Jacob's ladder, and we're thinking about these angels ascending and descending. You've got to be wondering, do angels really need staircases? But there they are, these representatives of God or these messengers of God. And then God himself, right next to Jacob, and begins to speak with Jacob. You might say that God showed up for Jacob. Now, I want to read what God tells Jacob. I want you to hear these words again. God tells Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. All the families of the earth will be blessed. 
Now, typically, we look back on that promise. That's a promise that is very deep in the Old Testament, the same promise that was given to Abraham. That promise means so much, that covenant between God and God's people. And we look back at that promise that God makes, and we think, we, we relate the promise of the Messiah. How are, how are all the families of the earth blessed? Through Messiah, amen, that cross of Jesus. And that's how that family blesses everyone else, amen? Now, what's interesting to us, and it doesn't really appear to bother the writer at all, Jacob, grabber or tripper, he, uh, his ways are a, are a little bit, scratch that, a lot of bit shady. Hmm? And yet, God is willing and God is able to use him to bless all the families of the earth. Now, over the last several weeks, we've been looking at Abraham's family, right? And we've kind of we kind of thought to ourselves, hopefully, that, man, just because my name's in the Bible doesn't mean I got my act together. Because if we looked at this family, there's sibling rivalry, there's parents choosing one child over the other, and there's, you know, who can forget uh, Abraham and Isaac, right? That was just weird stuff. But it's really kind of assuring to us as well, because for those of us who don't find our names in the Bible, we don't seem to have our act together all the time either, do we? Yet, God is able and God is willing to use us to bless other people, to bless other families even. Now, Messiah doesn't come from us. We can't have that kind of blessing, but we can bless others. Maybe you heard or read about the story of Alan Guay. This is a a high school basketball player in Compton, California. And I know many people have their ideas about Compton and places like Compton and certainly people in Compton. But this young man entered a free throw shooting contest, and he won. And he won $40,000. Now, $40,000 to a high school student sounds like a lot of money. And really, $40,000 to any student sounds like a lot of money. Probably sounds like a lot of money to any of us, student or not, right? Now, Alan, he has a full scholarship ready for him to go to college. And that's important. That's a part of the story. I think it's a great part of the story. But what's really significant about Alan, you know what he did with his money? He gave the $40,000 to the other participants of the free throw shooting contest said he realized what he already had, realized what he had prepared for him, and he realized the financial struggles of everybody else in that contest. And he decided to give them all of that money. Now, I don't know the full story, but it seems to me like there's a, there's a parent somewhere in the background in that man's life thinking, you did good, boy. I'm proud of you, son. That's family, isn't it? Family teaching each other what's important. Teaching each other the things that we should do as families, how we live together. And don't get me wrong. I'm going to suggest that Alan and his family blessed other families. But I don't want to give you the the impression that money is the only way we bless people. That, That is a common misconception. And I know there's preachers that talk about money all the time, but we need to get over that. 
Money is not the only way, it's not the best way, it's not the biggest way that we can bless people. Sometimes the way that we can bless somebody else is just by being there for them. Just by being a friend when no one else is willing to. Just by our presence with those people. Just by even our prayers. Hey, our family is praying for your family. Each one of our family members is praying for your family. Friends, we are called, I think, to be a blessing to others. That same promise that God gave to Jacob that your family will bless all other families of the earth, I think we are called as well to bless other families. We should bless others. And not just when they sneeze. That's a pet peeve of mine. You don't mind if I rant just a little bit, right? And, and I know it's common courtesy, and I know it's the polite thing. I do it too. Somebody sneezes, and what do you say? God bless you. You know what I feel like saying? If when I sneeze, achoo! How? Tell me how God is going to bless me. Or tell me how God blessed you. Remind me of how powerful God is. You want to bless me? Then you bless me. If not, keep your words to yourself and hand me a napkin, please. We are called to bless other families. Unfortunately, you know, especially being in youth ministry, you hear it all the time. Parents give their kids dreams of being lawyers or doctors and this and that. I think that's fine, but usually it goes with the idea that you want to be a doctor's son so you can be comfortable. You want to be a lawyer so you can have all the finer things in life. And let me remind you, friends, that as the body of Christ, that as Christians, we are called to be a lot a bit different. We are actually called to be peculiar. Hmm? And if we're going to give our children the dreams of being a doctor or a lawyer, Let's give them that dream, not so they can make more money. That's what everybody wants to do. But how about we want them to be doctors so they can be a healing hand of God in the world? How about we can train them to be lawyers so they can stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves? How about we raise people who are willing to be a voice for those who have no voice? That is what peculiar people do. Amen? We are called to bless. And friends, that is part of the reason why we are here today. I know we talk about coming to church and, yeah, believe it or not, that we can feel like we got blessed here. And I'm, I'm fine that that happened. I want that to happen for you, that you can come here and feel like something about today has blessed you. But don't you think that's the end of the story? You come here so that when you go there, you are ready to bless. Go with me. We come here so that we can be ready to bless out there. Now, here's the truth about your family. Your family's not all that perfect. Been reading my mail. Now, I have some of my family out there, so don't worry. I'm covered in that too, aren't I? Our families aren't so perfect. But you know what? We've already committed to pray for each other. I remember we talked about that last week. 
we've already talked about loving and serving together. So it seems like whatever difficulties face our families, we can get through those. Whatever adversity presents itself to our families, we can pray through those. We can get through all those difficulties together. We can get through all those imperfections that we have as people and as family. But in the meantime, God is still willing and God is certainly able to bless other people through us. And when we commit ourselves to living a way that is a blessing to other families, those moments with God, those sacred moments, those heart strangely warm moments, suddenly become more and more. You start to see them more. You start to experience them more. You begin to realize that God is everywhere. See, Jacob woke up and he thought, oh, this is an awesome place. God is here after he had this dream. And I think really what he realized and what part of the story is telling us is that God was already there. You just happened to wake up and realize it. And when we learn as families to bless other families, we realize that God has always been there. Amen. That's an amen one, y'all. Golly. God has always been there. And then our household can be something that God can use. It's really funny. Jacob changed the name of that place, right? Called it Bethel. Beit or Beth means house. El means God. So what do you call God's house? The house of God, right? Kind of like Bethlehem. Beth, Beit, house, Laham, bread. Guess where Jesus, the bread of life, was born? In the house of bread. Duh. But Jacob is here. And he has this great and powerful experience with God. And he's reminded of the promise given to him and of the calling he has for everyone else. And he realizes that is a place of God. And friends, it's my prayer that as we consider these family matters for all of us, that our homes, that our houses could indeed as well be places where God lives. I want you to pray with me. And as we pray together, I want you to think very intentionally and very specifically about your own family your family members and their struggles, their joys. I want you to think about what it is your family deals with or has gone through. And as together, as a family of God, I want us to pray and ask God to be so real to us that we, we, couldn't, avoid, we, we, couldn't be, we wouldn't be able to avoid it. Let's pray together. Oh, dear God, you have made us all a family, bringing us together and blessing us with the company of more of your people. So when we come together to a place like this, we can give you thanks for all the people around us. You know our stories, God. We'll be done here. We'll pack our things. We'll get into our cars and we'll go 
home. And at home, God, you know the dealings of our families. You know the struggles and the pains and the turmoil. You even know the joy and the happiness that is there as well. And we ask, God, more and more that our homes could be places where you are. That each one of our family members, husbands and wives, sons and daughters, grandparents, cousins and aunts and uncles, that all of us could draw ourselves closer to you and in turn closer to each other so that our households could be a place where you live. Move in our hearts, God, so that as we pray through our difficulties, as we believe through our hardships and put our trust and our faith in you, that we could be a blessing to other families as well. And together as your people, we pray in your name. Amen.